a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. Well, we continue to watch uh, things unfold on the House of Representatives. Someone's trying to become the Speaker of the House today. Uh, And, of course, the Speaker of the House will play uh, an interesting role in terms of how things get positioned for presidential races in 2024. Uh, Bill Scherer is contributing writer for Political Magazine and Real Clear Politics. He's also the host of the DMZ, an online show and podcast. And Bill joins us on great piece in Politico as we start to enter the race, unfortunately, for 2024. Uh, Bill, thanks for jumping on with us today. Always a pleasure. <laughs> You're always good at handicapping and looking at that. Uh, any predictions here as uh, we now look at, uh, we're looking at, we're going to definitely go to round number four. Jim Jordan's uh, got six votes already in round number three for the speakership. So there will be a round four uh, for sure. Uh, anything you're watching or, or checking in on there? Well, what I'm watching to see is if the the relative moderate faction of the Republican Party, will they get fed up with the, anti-McCarthy faction and move to find a bipartisan uh, uh, figure uh, who could get the two-way team without the uh, right-wing renegades. Mm. Uh, I suspect if it's going to go, if, if they're going to take that kind of step, they might probably have to have several more ballots before they would have that kind of level of frustration. Uh, but uh, that's, that's what I'm watching to see if that kind of tectonic plate Starts to shift. Yeah, that'll be fascinating to watch, and uh, we'll keep, we're keeping our eye on it there. So let's start uh, gazing a little further into the future. Obviously, a lot of prognosticators are looking at 2024. You actually had some great things in your piece, uh, just rounding out 2022. Uh, there were already some winners and losers when it comes to presidential politics. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a clear-cut case that on the Democratic side, Joe Biden, on the Republican side, Ron DeSantis, they had the best years of 2022 in establishing their position for, for 2024. Uh, Biden had a better than expected midterm. And if he had a bad midterm, I think there would be at least one Democrat jumping in the race by now saying mm-hmm. we have to do this to save ourselves. Now the political cost for doing that is much, much steeper, even though there's still some concern on the Democratic side about Biden's age to take, to take on Biden while he's, he's riding high, relatively speaking, that risks branding yourself a malcontent in the party for the rest of your career. So that's a tough thing to ask. And just in basic poll data, the Sanders' position, position in the party is vastly stronger than it was at the start of the year. Right. Uh, so it's hard to argue that, uh, I mean, Trump could still get to be the nominee or somebody else. I'm not saying he's got a lock, but as far as did he improve himself over the course of the last 12 months? 
indisputably that's the case. Yeah, no question about that at all. And and clearly it was a rough year for the former president in terms of his positioning, uh, not just personally, but also uh, within the party. Uh, So how does that play out or how does that uh, positioning look from your perspective uh, as it relates to the former president? And then, of course, uh, Governor Ron DeSantis getting sworn in today. uh, Also very interesting uh, in the winner's category rolling into this year. Yeah, DeSantis' speech today, his inaugural address, is clearly with uh, national prospects in mind. Uh, While Trump, uh, you know, Trump played a strong hand badly. He was very much the titular leader of the party, but he chose to pick a lot of fights, intra-party fights. He uh, put his thumb on the scale in a whole bunch of primary contests that a lot of his candidates lost. Uh, particularly, I mean, he likes to say he's got a good win-loss record, but in the, in the key states, which determine control of the Senate, his guys lost. So that puts him in a very uh, relatively weaker position, and now DeSantis beats him head-to-head in polling. However, when you do polling with a broader field, Trump is still the plurality winner, mm. and that is how he got the nomination in the first place in 2016. So as bad a job as he's done for himself, uh, making him, making his nomination not a fait accompli, uh, it's, he still is in first place when you look at any polling or most polling with a multi-candidate field. So he still has a hold on a decent chunk of the party, and that might be enough at the end of the day. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear-gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Uh, I think that's such an important point that uh, you raise is that it – it was just a plurality last time around. It was a massive field, and he was able to just kind of chip away and hold on to just enough uh, to stay out in front that way. As you look at some of the others who may roll on the uh, Republican side, uh, you have some of the, the usual suspects in there. Give us somebody who's uh, less visible but could be formidable rolling into 2024. I think the the the, the dark horses, if, if they choose to run, if things – you know, break, I, mean, I mean, basically, you know, Trump and DeSantis have to ruin each other you know, for a third person <laughs> to run up the middle, relatively speaking, uh, which is certainly possible. Those are really two pugnacious brawlers. Uh, and I think that Brian Kemp and Glenn Youngkin uh, are strong possibilities for sleeper candidates. These are governors who won in states that are, as, as far as 2020 is, is concerned, blue. Uh so you DeSantis can argue, hey, I, I took a purple state and made it red. Well, that's true, but it's a state that Trump won twice. So you're not adding a state to the table uh, by tape by bringing in Florida. If Kemp can flip Georgia or Young can flip Virginia in a presidential race, that's adding to the Republican electoral college count. 
Uh, uh, and Tim Scott in the Senate side, you know, senators have a bad track record in primaries, so he's got an uphill battle. But there's a certain amount of goodwill there. He would be a fresh face. He's very genial, very likable. Uh, being African American potentially broadens the uh, the voter base of the Republican Party. So he's not polling great, but keep an eye on him. Yeah, Tim Scott is uh, one of those uh, under the radar candidates that I think everybody should keep an eye on. Now, we've had him on this show uh, a number of times, and uh, he is one of those. He's, he's not only incredibly likable, but really smart. Great story, uh, really applying a lot of those principles uh, into the broader perspective, which I think is is fascinating. Uh, I want to go back for just a second. Uh, as you talked about Governor Kemp and Governor Youngkin, uh, I think both of them used a playbook uh, that uh, regardless of what side, this it really seems to be the playbook, uh, and that is that you don't go national, you don't uh, worry about all that, you go very local, and uh, you focus on the, the kitchen table topics uh, as the, the real model to win. It's not about a former president, it's not about what was, it's about what's next, uh, and really going local as opposed to nationalizing the race. Well, they're sort of hung up on 2020 the way Trump has been. Uh, and you know, DeSantis while it's taking very far, is very focused on COVID. I'm not sure COVID is the issue that's going to be dominating our conversation this year and next year. Um, You know, Youngkin, you know, he's pushing pretty hard on culture war type issues in relation to schools. And just today, his attorney general uh, moved to investigate a magnet school, which is being charged with uh, hiding uh, merit awards uh, for fear of uh, upsetting kids who didn't get merit awards. And I'm not sure that's the full story, but that's what's being investigated there. Uh, so those times, he, he likes to say parents matter, and he talked about that in terms of you know what books are available in libraries and uh, things, things of that nature. Uh, so he might try to make that so that's sort of local, but can be expanded into a national kind of narrative. And Brian Kemp is someone who I mean, he's also passed a pretty stiff abortion ban, not averse to culture war issues, uh, but has also seen some of sort of just taken care of business in Georgia and not been pushed around uh, by Donald Trump. Uh, so that definitely, I think, has helped them uh, solidify their standings in their own states. All right, then we've got about just a minute left. Uh, give us a, a quick hit on the Democratic side. If someone does choose to take on the president, you sort of have the, the vice president, Pete Buttigieg, or uh, kind of the top of the list there. Anyone else uh, that you're really tracking uh, that might jump in on the Democratic side? Well, you know, Biden did not run. You know, Kamala Harris has is in the poll position as vice president, although there's a lot of discontent around her. But to win the Democratic nomination, you need African-American votes, especially in the South. So if someone was going to beat Kamala Harris, they'd have to show some capacity to do the same. If he ran, Raphael Warnock is someone who has done mm-hmm. that, winning in Georgia multiple times. Uh, he's got the best profile of somebody who could run against Kamala without being accused of uh, trying to bigfoot her. If, if a white male runs against her, you know that's a, that's a harder argument to make. Also, look at Gretchen Whitmer, who's you know, mm-hmm. she's not a, not a person of color, but a, a Midwesterner, a woman, and been battle tested in a swing state, winning handily for governor twice. So I'd, I'd watch those two. Uh, fantastic insight. Bill Share, of course, a contributing writer for Political Magazine, A Real Clear Politics, also is the co-host of the DMZ, the online show and podcast. Uh, Bill, a great perspective, great things to be watching as we roll into 2024. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Take care. All right. We'll step aside for some bottom of the hour news. We're keeping our eye on the 
third round vote for the Speaker of the House of Representatives in the United States House right there on the floor. We'll give you an update on that when we come back after bottom of the hour news. Stick around. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.